This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We probably see them about a week a year, maybe a bit more. A break-in at the home of a jailed Chinese businesswoman and a B.C. trade mission canceled over her detention. Do you recognize this guy? Another porch pirate caught on camera. Plus... This shouldn't happen to anyone else. It's, it's been horrible. Her boyfriend killed in an Uber crash in Toronto. Her warning to BC. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Vancouver police officers called out to a normally quiet home in Dunbar this morning. Their work under scrutiny of not only local media, but international media as well because of the controversy surrounding its owner. Good evening and thank you for joining us. That BPD investigation is just part of the dramatic new developments today in the case against a top Chinese executive. Meng Wazhou was arrested at Vancouver Airport last weekend at the request of the U.S. government. The case is also having a direct impact on B.C. trade. Tanya Beja joins us now from Vancouver. Tanya, what happened at the home? Jordan, police were called to this home around 5.30 this morning following a break-in. They spent much of the day canvassing the neighbourhood for clues. Police remove evidence from a west side Vancouver home, the property targeted in an early morning break-in. Yeah, it's strange for this neighbourhood. It's, it's a very safe neighbourhood. Investigators say two people tried to enter the home Sunday but fled when confronted by someone inside. Court records confirm the home is owned by Huawei's chief financial officer, Meng Wanzhou. They, they are overseas owners, um, and we probably see them about a week a year. There's some people in the summertime, uh, but other than that, there's not a lot of people. Meng faces extradition to the United States over allegations she violated trade sanctions against Iran. Allegations Meng denies. Her arrest and detention in Vancouver prompting threats of consequences from China. It's not really a B.C. government issue, so they want to avoid being the target of any retaliation. British Columbia announcing Sunday the province is suspending the China leg of its forestry trade mission to Asia following stops in Korea and Japan. The cancellation a result of court proceedings involving Meng. So who knows if the delegation goes to China, maybe somebody gets arrested or maybe China makes some announcement about cancelling forest products contracts or something. Uh, so I think, uh, I think BC is doing the right thing by just staying out of the way. In a statement, BC's trade minister says British Columbia values its strong trade relationship with China, one based on mutual respect and close economic and cultural ties that have been established over many decades. The province will work to reschedule events planned for the Chinese portion of this mission at the earliest convenient moment. In the meantime, police say no suspects are in custody for the break-in. The news, however, generating a lot of public interest. We've seen a steady stream of traffic moving slowly by this house today. Some drivers even getting out to take selfies. Jordan, back to you. All right, thank you. Tanya Beja reporting live tonight. The bail hearing for Meng Wanzhou resumes in B.C. Supreme Court tomorrow morning. 
But new evidence was released today about the case against her. Grace Key joins us now from the newsroom with that part of the story. Grace. Well, affidavits were released to Global BC today, and we poured over hundreds of pages. Now, one is from Meng and another from her husband. Both provide more details into their ties to Vancouver. That information will be used in her bail hearing. Her family's Vancouver ties date back at least 15 years. The husband and wife own two homes here. And between 2009 and 2012, her younger children attended elementary school in Vancouver while her husband was pursuing a master's degree in Canada. Now, if she's granted bail, they plan to stay in one of their Vancouver homes. We also have some insight into what's expected to be part of her defense. An affidavit from an American attorney representing Huawei states the company operates in compliance with applicable laws, regulations and sanctions. There's also reference to a June 2018 interview on CNBC with U.S. Secretary Wilbur Ross. Now, in that interview, Secretary Ross was asked about the U.S. government's investigation into Huawei Technologies. Did you have uh, concerns about Huawei? Um, AT&T has announced that they are not going to be uh, distributing their phones here in the United States, the newest yes, phone. Yes, I've, I've seen that. I've heard a lot of the rumors about Huawei. Uh, as of the moment, I don't believe that our department has found any violations of Huawei. Well, the bail hearing for Meng continues tomorrow at Supreme Court in Vancouver. It's unclear if the judge plans to come back with a decision right away or reserve a decision. Jordan? All right, thank you. Grace Key reporting live from the newsroom tonight. Back to BC's suspended trade mission with China and the potential impact to our bottom line. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now with more on this. Keith? Yeah, Jordan, you know, B.C. governments of various stripes, political stripes, have been trying to increase trade with China for years. I went on a trade mission to China with Mike Harcourt back in the 1990s. It's really increased, though, over the last decade. Take a look at some of the numbers here. First of all, China has now emerged as B.C.'s second largest trading partner uh, after the United States. Fifth, more than 15% of B.C.'s uh, commodity exports go to China. That works out to almost $7 billion annually. And as I was saying, Jordan, for 10 years now, the growth rate has been a, a phenomenal 16% on average. As China, China's economy has been the biggest pro performing economy on the world stage in terms of major countries, and they need materials from Western uh, democracies, and that includes British Columbia, which is why our trade with that country has really ramped up big time, which is why I think there's a little nervousness now uh, looking down the road. If we're in a trade war with China, that has only profound negative implications for BC's economy. So Keith, what does BC trade most with China? Well, it's interesting, you know, the softwood lumber uh, aspect is really ramped up. Be, uh, China's been on a major building uh, 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 campaign for years now. 16% of, uh, of BC softwood lumber exports go to uh, China. Also, more than $1.7 billion in minerals, such as copper, zinc, and nickel. Again, all part of the building boom there. And on a personal uh, human connection, BC hosts 51,000 Chinese uh, students, most of them in post-secondary institutions. And finally, looking down the road, at the big project coming to BC, that massive LNG project up in Prince Rupert. Guess what? China is supposed to be the main uh, market there, and any protracted trade war with China could have profound negative implications for that project as well. So uh, I think it's good with, uh, that George Heyman stepped back here and not go to China, not be involved in this dispute. One can only keep our fingers crossed. This doesn't get any worse. We will see what happens in the days to come. All right, thanks, Keith. Yeah.
And a footnote to this story, it was the Americans' turn to be called on the carpet by the Chinese over Meng's detention. Today, China's vice foreign minister summoned the U.S. ambassador to China to officially protest Meng's arrest. Yesterday, Canada's ambassador to China, John McCallum, was summoned with the Chinese government saying Canada will face, quote, grave consequences if she is not released immediately. Turning to other news tonight, and a warning from a Vancouver resident after he was the target of a porch pirate. Surveillance video captures the moment a thief and his dog wander onto a Vancouver porch. The man then takes the $200 package left there by a delivery driver. It happened on Friday afternoon on 51st Avenue. The video was shared in hopes of catching the thief and reminding everyone to be careful this holiday season. You know, it's your property. Someone's walking in, they don't belong there, and... And, uh, yeah, you do feel kind of violated, right, when uh, that happens. And um, then you start to worry about all the other people in the neighborhood, right, because it's that time of year, and you know, there's a lot of online shopping that goes on these days, right, and um, you start to worry about all the neighbors. Vancouver is currently the only major city in North America without ride-sharing, and a Toronto woman wants us to know that's not necessarily a bad thing. She lost her boyfriend in an Uber crash earlier this year and says passenger safety is worth the wait. Kristen Robinson reports. Travelers arriving at YVR reminded about the lack of ride-sharing as they scramble for a cab. It's a real shame that this city isn't modern like the other cities I go and visit. It's a little behind the times. Last month, the B.C. government introduced legislation that will allow ride-hailing by the fall of 2019 at the earliest. Riders, their safety needs to be put first. Monica Trakov has a warning for anyone lamenting the Uber delay. I think it's, it's necessary. This is how the Toronto woman's Uber ride ended last March. She and her boyfriend, Nicholas Cameron, were en route to the airport for their first vacation together. Their driver got lost, then pulled off the highway to pick up a dropped phone. When he pulled out again, they were hit from behind. I was knocked out uh, for... I think less than a minute, um, but I came to, and yeah, Nicholas never woke up after that. The 23-year-old, now former Uber driver, fined $1,000 and handed a one-year driving ban for careless driving resulting in Cameron's fatal neck injury. It, it shouldn't have happened this way. Trakov blames lax regulations. In 2016, the city of Toronto got rid of mandatory safety training for all vehicle-for-hire drivers. Basically anyone could drive for a taxi company or for ride-sharing, and that just opened the floodgates. In BC, all drivers will have to undergo regular criminal checks and have a Class 4 passenger license. Ridesharing now says the latter will unnecessarily keep people from driving for Uber and Lyft, which already conduct background driver checks to help keep passengers safe. This shouldn't happen to anyone else. It's, it's been horrible. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The 16-kilometer SkyTrain extension from Surrey to Langley should be complete by 2025. Drafts released by TransLink show the agency plans to have the line finished only a year later than it would have taken to complete the Surrey-Newton-Guilford light rail, a project that was scrapped by the city's new mayor, Doug McCallum. The $2.9 billion line would connect at the end of the Expo line at King George Station adding eight new stations and require 55 new SkyTrain cars. TransLink's proposal will be presented to the Mayor's Council on Thursday. 
Get ready to pay higher property taxes if you live in Vancouver. And the city is blaming the new employer health tax for the hike. City Council will review next year's budget on Tuesday. Among the highlights, a nearly 5% property tax hike. The city says much of the increase comes from BC's new employer health tax, which kicks in on January 1st. If the tax hike gets approved, it would amount to an extra $41 for the median condo owner, $108 for a single-family home, and close to $200 more for business properties. Welcome back. With holiday roadblocks in effect, a timely reminder from Victoria Police that it is never a good idea to drink and drive. According to a Friday night tweet from the Victoria Police Traffic Unit, an alleged impaired driver tried to give his hamburger to police instead of his driver's license. Officers claim he was so impaired he could not provide a breath sample. A follow-up tweet said the same driver almost struck one officer and a reserve constable on his approach. So far, Victoria Police have not said what happened to that driver. The small interior town of Headley is under a do-not-consume notice for its water, and it could be in place for a while. Global's Jules Knox reports on what caused the problem and how it's getting fixed. Water is still flowing from the taps in Headley, but people are being told not to drink it. The town under a do-not-consume notice for water, meaning even boiling it, isn't enough. Uh, the main problems with the water right now are high total coliforms and high arsenic. Arsenic has been a problem since levels jumped in July, resulting in the town being under a months-long water quality advisory. As for E. coli, Interior Health says none was found in this case, but total coliforms are too high. What's it like living without water? Uh, hard, because <laughs> you don't think about it. Um, because I made coffee, and I, when I went, oh, i got to dump all that water out now, because I can't drink the water. Water can still be used for bathing or hand washing, but not brushing teeth or making ice. A water sample was taken on Tuesday, but officials say they didn't receive the results until Friday. That's when the warning was issued. We've been drinking the water this whole time, cooking with it. Like, I mean, that's scary. You know, I have a child. I don't want her drinking contaminated water. But officials say it takes time to get the results, and they acted immediately. So Linwells called uh, Headley residents uh, Friday night, and then Saturday um, we had a team of people that went out and delivered the notices in paper form uh, to people's doors. You live in town? Yeah. And you didn't get a notice on your door? No. It's really frustrating, especially um, with a baby. Headley's main water line was damaged after being pummeled by rocks during an abnormally large freshet this year. Officials say that although the cause of the contamination is still under investigation, it's believed that the contractor who fixed the line allowed bacteria into the system. The Headley Improvement District is superchlorinating its water for a second time on Sunday. New samples will be sent in for testing on Monday, but officials say it usually takes three or four days for test results. That means residents in Headley could be without drinkable tap water until Thursday or Friday, and people here say that's too long. Jules Knox, Global News, Headley. Teddy bears showered the ice at a nail-biting Vancouver Giants game last night. Doug, free start of the net, they score! With just one minute and 19 seconds left in the game and trailing Victoria, the Vancouver Giants got one in the net. 9,000 fans tossed more than 14,000 stuffed animals, toques and mitts onto the ice. 
Organizers say this year's toss raised thousands more than last year's. The Vancouver Christmas Bureau will now pass the bears to several children's charities, plus proceeds raised from this year's elf-themed jerseys will be donated to the CKNW Kids Fund. It's about the only time you can throw something onto the ice of the game and not get ejected from the stadium. Yeah. There was a little anxiety there because after the first goal, the Giants score. Well, it took them 59 minutes of game time to get it. So I'm not sure what would have happened had they been shut yes. out, but it was dramatic. But a positive result mm -hmm. all around. Uh, positive, not the word many people would use to describe the weather today. No, and it warmed up, uh, especially into the Fraser Valley. We were calling for the potential to see uh, the risk of freezing rain or snowfall, but temperatures for the overnight, it was warm and mild, especially for the mornings, and we saw rain. A glance, though, is where we are still seeing some snowfall. If you're heading along the sea to sky for Whistler, it'll still be for this evening with an additional two and up to four centimeters. It'll taper off to flurries, and then it'll be a much drier commute for many areas in terms of the snow. But we're still tracking a significant amount of rain. It's quite soggy for us across the south coast. I'll have more on your long-range forecast and what we can anticipate going into the work week coming up shortly. All right, sounds good. And the Whitecaps making some moves today in the Canucks in action. Yeah, the Whitecaps made moves. The Canucks made a lot of moves in St. Louis, I'll tell you that. Yeah, the Caps did make uh, some trades. We'll tell you about those. But uh, how about the Canucks? You know, they couldn't do anything right, it seemed like, for a month. And today in St. Louis, they couldn't do anything wrong. They were talking about, you know, we just can't get any breaks, no puck luck. Well, they got it all. A, lot of, a few lucky breaks to start, but then they really rolled, and Elias uh, Pedersen was dazzling again. A five-point night, which ties his career high yet against Boston. So uh, lots of that coming up. It's been a while. They've, had, was, they've not had many laughers on their side this year, but this was one that was good to see. New month, maybe fresh start. We'll yeah, see. I think so, and they're getting healthier and yeah. feeling better about themselves. In Ontario, two brothers have been charged with the murder of a 14-year-old boy. The teen's body was found in Mississauga on Friday. Within hours, police arrested a 20-year-old man and put out a warrant for his triplet, who turned himself in last night. Outside the Brampton courthouse, a police cruiser covertly brings in the second suspect in the killing of a Mississauga boy following a manhunt which lasted several hours. He heard the police were looking for him, so he called me, and then we arranged to, I arranged to pick him up, and I took him to the police station. 20-year-old Mark Mahabir is charged with second-degree murder. Well, he's upset, and obviously he's scared. It's a serious charge, and it'll be taken seriously. In the death of 14-year-old Riley Driver Martin, the teen's body was found with obvious signs of trauma near a Mississauga park Friday morning after he left home Thursday night. All I can say, a vigorous defense will be mounted. <clears throat> uh, he, he's not guilty of these charges. Mahabir's first court appearance was short. He wore a long gray sweater with his shoulder-length hair and beard. His eyes darted around the courtroom frequently. The Justice of the Peace told him he's to have no contact with members of the victim's family. It's just a day after his brother, 20-year-old Nicholas Mahabir, also made his first court appearance, charged with second-degree murder in the same killing. Well, it's overwhelming, of course. Uh, it's, it, that's the only word for it at this time. Uh, we have no idea, as I said, as to the role Mr. Mahabir is alleged to have played. Officers said the brothers are known to police. They are non-identical uh, fraternal triplets, uh, Mark and uh, Nicholas, and there's a third brother. So far, police have said they're not looking at the third brother as a suspect. Meanwhile, a community and a school continues to mourn. Driver Martin's classmates attended a counseling session to cope with the loss of their fellow students Saturday. Police believe this was an isolated incident. We are still appealing to the public for any information, any, um, anything they can provide to our Homicide Bureau. 
Both brothers are expected to appear in court later this month. Nicholas set for three days from now, while Mark will appear in court on December 24th. Police have not confirmed how the suspects and the victim knew one another. Camille Karamali, Global News. There will be no immediate move by the Trudeau government to heed Alberta's calls to deal with its energy crisis. The province wants the feds to buy rail cars to help move oil. But today on the West Block, Canada's Minister for Intergovernmental Affairs said Ottawa is considering the request but is not ready to commit. A significant action like that, it's, it would represent a considerable uh, amount of money for taxpayers. Uh, the rail industry in Canada uh, is an important part of the Canadian economy itself. Um, so the government obviously needs to understand what those potential actions uh, might mean. Alberta's oil is selling well under the North American benchmark because of oil pipeline bottlenecks. The price of crude in that province is around $10 a barrel. Premier Rachel Notley says that's about $40 less than other world producers. CBD oil is the biggest new health trend. It's a product of hemp and a cousin of cannabis. And while many users say it works wonders, some doctors remain skeptical. NBC's John Torres explains what we do know. In the Kentucky countryside, hiding behind a crop of corn, lies a tidy row of a mysterious plant thought to have medicinal powers. This is hemp. Hemp is a type of cannabis plant that contains a chemical called CBD. It doesn't make you high like marijuana, but it is creating a national buzz. CBD. 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 Sprouting up everywhere and in everything. CBD-infused lattes, beauty products, baked goods, even dog treats. And as the CBD frenzy grows, so does the confusion. Does CBD work? Yes. It works for anxiety. It works for pain. It works for any inflammatory condition. No, we don't know any of that. If you go in with this expectation, with all of society saying, this is going to cure you of whatever ails you, it w often will. Don't tell that to Laura Freeman. Twelve years ago, she was thrown off of a horse and suffered bone-crippling pain until she tried a surprising treatment. The CBD worked and it was an absolute miracle. Seriously. Now, Laura has turned her farm into a hemp empire, making and selling everything from CBD lotions to chocolates. In Colorado, Dr. Joe Cohen has stopped delivering babies, instead prescribing CBD to patients with an array of illnesses. You need to take this twice a day every day. Earlier this year, the FDA approved the first and only CBD medication, a treatment for two rare forms of epilepsy. There's no proof that CBD works for anything other than seizures, yet you're prescribing everything from pain control to Alzheimer's. There is no proof from a traditional medical perspective. There's plenty of proof from seeing patients and seeing their results. CBD supplements are not tested, approved, or regulated by the FDA, but CBD fans are not waiting for proof. I couldn't be doing what I'm doing today without CBD. It's changed my life. A phenomenon growing faster than the science. A dramatic scene in northwest China after a truck crashed and was left partially hanging off a bridge. The cab of the truck ended up dangling over the side of the span. The truck had overturned after a five-vehicle crash on a highway, which authorities are blaming on icy road conditions. First responders used a crane to suspend a firefighter over the side of the bridge in order to pull the critically injured driver to safety. The weather in northern China has taken an extreme turn, with temperatures plunging as low as minus 43. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Three Celsius. Across the south and mid-Atlantic U.S. today, concerns about freezing rain and snowy roads as temperatures dip below zero in many places. North Carolina has seen more than 30 centimeters of snow. That same storm system is affecting 18 million people in seven states and has claimed at least four lives. Tonight, the monster storm dumping heavy snow and freezing rain has turned deadly. Three people died in a South Carolina home from suspected carbon monoxide poisoning. An incident authorities say is storm-related. And in North Carolina, a man killed when a tree fell on his car. The news coming as large parts of the South remain crippled. I'm a little nervous, I ain't gonna lie. American Airlines canceled 1,100 flights for today and more than 300 for tomorrow. Residents across the region being warned to stay home. Don't put your life and the lives of first responders at risk by getting out on roads covered with snow and ice. A state of emergency declared in North Carolina and Virginia, with some areas expecting up to two feet. North Carolina has been getting pounded with snow, leaving treacherous road conditions, and snowplows have been working around the clock. More than 500 crashes reported in the state just today. Absolutely worse than I thought. Snow bringing Greensboro to a standstill. We are getting more snow in one day than we normally get the entire year. Across the Carolinas, roughly a half million people are expected to lose power. And the new concern, that the snow left behind will turn to ice overnight. Tammy Leitner, NBC News, Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, Vaughn, uh, obviously a tough situation for anyone traveling on the roads or by plane. Yes, and uh, just a reminder, if you're traveling uh, to the eastern seaboard, uh, do check with your flight for any delays. As we take a look at the latest satellite and radar, still the hardest hit areas is the Carolinas, but we're still seeing that snow that's indicated in white. And the areas that are in pink, they'll see the risk of freezing rain still evening overnight before it does start to taper off for tomorrow. Back at home, though, for us, we're tracking a very different weather story. We're seeing wet weather in the form of rain, heavy at times continuing through the evening. Our Monday morning commute will be a wet one. And if you're traveling into the mountain passes, we're still seeing snowfall falling through the evening hours. A shot right now overlooking Jackpool Plaza at the Vancouver Christmas Market. It's a wet one, but we're still seeing people out there this evening. Seven right now, milder temperatures and easterly wind at 11 kilometers per hour. And our high today was sitting at seven degrees. Despite all the rainfall, uh, Shayla sent in this great shot. And this is at Robson Square. Still very festive looking and beautiful in downtown today. Satellite, we are looking at that moisture and still another system is going to push in. What we are tracking for the week is a series of systems moving across the province. We've got very windy conditions that are going to push in. That'll still be for today, this evening, but tomorrow by the afternoon hours, it'll be along coastal sections. Overnight tonight for the early morning hours, it's a chance of showers, the flurries for the interior sections. And then we've got a bit of a lull in the action for the afternoon across the south coast. 
picking up once again. It'll be late for the evening hours, overnight and taking us in towards our Tuesday that we have the next round of rain and snow for interior sections. Wind warning, this will be for tomorrow morning and continuing for the afternoon. Haida Gwaii, north coast, coastal sections, we'll see it for the morning. By the afternoon, it'll push across the central coast and northern sections of the island, southeasterly up to 90 kilometers per hour. Once again, along the mountain passes, the heaviest snowfall will be this evening. Whistler, the Coquihalla, two and up to four centimeters for most areas. We can see the snow falling right now near the summit and up to five centimeters will be for the Coquihalla, the Connector, as well as the Allison Pass with that range with two and up to four centimeters and the Kootenai Pass picking close up to five centimeters. Flurries for tomorrow and then much drier easing off in terms of the precipitation. For the piece tomorrow, the winds are going to ramp up. We are going to see them gusty at times up to 50 kilometers per hour. Whitehorse will also see the winds up to 40 kilometers, but a drier day for tomorrow with just a slight chance to see an isolated flurry. Along the north coast, it'll stay as rain. Inland sections will see that transition from snow, changing over the rain, those especially for areas that are near terrace. Caribou and central interior, very chilly for the morning hours at minus 10, with the wind chill through the day at minus 4. Columbia and Kootenai region, snowfall this evening, 2 and up to 4 centimeters, tapering off to flurries by the morning hours. It'll be similar for areas near the tops in Okanagan. Whistler, the heaviest snowfall this evening, but for your Tuesday morning, it'll be a transition back over to rain. And along the island, we'll start to see some nice breaks across Metro Vancouver. Still a wet start for us. By the afternoon, it'll be drier, and then it picks up once again. Quite soggy into the week and windy for tomorrow. Temperatures will be up to 6 degrees. Jordan? All right, thanks, Yvonne. A Kamloops canine is using his expert sniffing abilities to help his owner, a locksmith, in a unique way. Murphy, a one-year-old lab, has a knack for sniffing out keys. His boss at Interior, a boss rather, at Interior Locksmith says Murphy started putting metal into his mouth as a puppy, so he decided to train him to find misplaced keys. Replacing a set of keys can cost hundreds of dollars. Murphy will find them for just $85, and if he's not successful, it's free started playing games where I would hide my own keys and through clicker training I would as soon as he even noticed my keys click treat and eventually he as soon as he would see a, a set of keys he'd get excited. No other locksmith from my understanding in history has ever utilized a dog for this purpose. Earlier this week Murphy had his first success sniffing out a man's set of keys that had been lost for 17 days. And now the win streak is at two. Yeah, well, you know, that's, it can change quickly, especially with the young team. You can just, you can actually feel just their, how good they feel about themselves. Yeah, because uh, they had some good games, games, just not the right result. Yeah, well, I have a story to tell. I do. Thanks. Take it away. Yes, uh, the morning before they beat Nashville on Thursday, Travis Green talked about how well his team was playing, but they were not receiving any puck luck whatsoever. That night, they played a great game and won 5-3, and then today in St. Louis, that puck luck... They'd been lamenting. Well, it came back. Did it ever. Canucks got some very fortunate bounces early on and then piled on the sad sack blues, hanging a 6-1 thumping on a St. Louis team that is near the bottom of the NHL standings. They are even below the Canucks. Canucks starting a three-game road trip in an afternoon game, and just three minutes in, the hockey gods smiled upon them. Elias Pettersson, great blind pass to Brock Besser, way over the net, but it bounces off the glass and then off the pads of St. Louis goalie Jake Allen and in. I mean, you have to call that in billiards, but it's a goal for Besser, and the Canucks realize that the hockey gods are on their side. And then another one, Elias Pettersson with a very 
Simple looking shot off the stick of Jay Bomeister and in. Allen going, what have I done to deserve this? Then more traditional Pedersen. Beautiful pass to Besser in stride. And that was a snipe from Besser, who's really starting to heat up. 3-0 Canucks after one. Second period, Blues had some chances. That was it, by the way, for Jake Allen, who was probably happy to get other. Not his day. Markstrom wasn't overly busy, but saves like this when the game's still relatively early on the line help swimming around there to keep it out. Had St. Louis scored there, probably a different story, but the Canucks come back, and Antoine Roussel gets the shot on net. He has played well lately. Bo Horvat there to bang it in, his 14th, 4-0 Canucks, and then more magic from Pedersen. Check out the quick one-touch pass to Goldobin for the tap-in. Pedersen knew he was open, did not bother to stop it. Beautiful on-ice vision. His fourth point, 5-0 Canucks. And then, after the Blues broke the shutout, Besser fires his hat-trick goal, deflected in off a Blues defenseman in front, so more puck luck. Five points for Pedersen, who now has 30 in 26 games. Three goals for Besser, who now has nine. Six won the final. That's back-to-back wins, baby. Third time this year the Canucks have scored six or more in a game. Next up, they are in Columbus on Tuesday. The Whitecaps made several moves today, two of them coming at the uh, goalkeeping position. First, they acquired Maxime Crepeau from Montreal for allocation money and a draft pick. And then the Caps traded Nicholas Mesquita to Colorado for Zach McMath. And it appears McMath may be the starter. The 27-year-old already played eight seasons in MLS, posting uh, 39 shutouts and 152 matches. Mesquita, pretty solid performer over the five years he spent here, scoring 17 goals and seven assists in 122 appearances. The 26-year-old arrived during Carl Robinson's first season, clearly didn't fit into the plans of new head coach Mark Dos Santos, and the roster overhaul, I believe, has just begun. Expect a lot more changes in Whitecap land. All right, back to hockey. Battle of Alberta, Flames and Oilers from Edmonton. Calgary first in the West uh, on a five-game win streak. The Oilers 6-2-1 under Ken Hitchcock. And it sure helps to have Connor McDavid, who gets the pass from Leon Dreisaitl, gets his 16th. It's 1-0 Edmonton in the first in Edmonton. Jets and Flyers from Winnipeg. This one was all Jets. Already up 1-0 in the first. Josh Morrissey will load up the one-timer and blast it in. That was a power play goal. 2-0 Winnipeg. Then, second period, Jets on the rush. Brandon Tanev, the brother of the Canucks, Chris Tanev, drops it to Morrissey, who stopped, but Tanev going to the net, cleans up the rebound, 3-1 Jets, and then while shorthanded, Blake Wheeler uses that blazing speed and alone. Nice move to the backhand as the Jets blast the Flyers 7-1. Winnipeg with 38 points, just a point behind co-leaders Colorado and Nashville in the central. Rugby sevens from Cape Town, South Africa, Canada and Argentina. In the semifinals of the Challenge Trophy side, or the Consolation side, first half, Matt Mullins gets to the line and will stretch out for the try. 7-5 Canada. And then more great ball control by the Canadians, and it's victorious Connor Braid who's going to get in for the score. So it was looking good for Canada, up 14-5 at the half, but in sevens, the momentum can change in a hurry. And Canada... Did uh, not get a lot more going in the offensively in the second half. Argentina comes back to win this one by the final of uh, 24-14. Don't forget the Vancouver stop of the tours on March 9th and 10th at BC Place, and that's always a fantastic party. NBA tonight. 
two of the beasts in the East meeting head-to-head. Third place Milwaukee at the Raptors. Toronto 21-6 leads the NBA. Fourth quarter, Serge Ibaka with the block. The Ibaka. And then Kyle Lowry in transition to Freddie Van Vliet. Raptors took the lead by two. But the Bucks don't stop here. Malcolm Brogdon with the open look. Nails the three. And Milwaukee led by three in the final minute. 11 seconds left. Raps have the chance to tie. Want to get it to Kawhi Leonard. They do, but kind of rushes the shot here. It's short, and the Raptors fall short. Lose to Milwaukee for the second time this season already. 104-99. Welcome back. The Seahawks don't play until tomorrow night when they host the Vikings in a crucial NFC showdown that has pivotal playoff implications for both teams. A Seattle win gets them to 8-5, and and the inside track to a wildcard spot, a loss, and the Seahawks may have to run the table to get in. Today, Seattle is hoping some of their pursuers might just lose. You know, make Seattle's job a little easier down the stretch. Eagles and Cowboys, the defending Super Bowl champs, have rallied to get to 6-6, six and six, so they're just a game behind NFC East leading Dallas late first half. We usually don't show field goals, but... When they're from 62 yards out, we're going to show it. Brett Maher sets a Cowboys record just one yard short of the NFL all-time record of 63 by Graham Gano. Wild fourth quarter tied at 16. Dak Prescott to Amari Cooper, who the Cowboys got in a trade in the last few weeks, and he is paying off big time. Second touchdown of the game, that one for 75 yards, but the Eagles come back. Carson Wentz to Darren Sproles. Bounces in off a tackler in for the touchdown to tie it at 23. We need overtime. Cowboys had the ball the entire OT. And third down, Prescott's pass is deflected. But Amari Cooper still makes the catch and walks it in for the game-winning TD. It's the immaculate deflection for the Cowboys. Dramatic finish. Dallas now 8-5. Eagles 6-7. Seahawks like that result. That'll help their cause down the stretch. Carolina Panthers have lost four in a row. Still in the hunt at 6-6, visiting Cleveland. 14-7 Carolina in the second, but Baker Mayfield to Jarvis Landry, who somehow comes up with the catch between two defenders. 51-yard touchdown, ties it up. It was 17 all at the half. Fourth quarter, Browns will take their first lead of the game. Nick Chubb will power his way in from four yards out. 23-20 Cleveland. Now the Panthers still a chance to come back. Down six, a minute to go. Cam Newton going to Devin Funchess, but that is not even close. Picked off by the Browns. Carolina with a fifth straight loss. 26-20. The Seahawks like that result too. Meanwhile, New Orleans Saints had their 10-game win streak snapped last week against Dallas. They were at Tampa Bay today. Saints battling the Rams for the number one seed in the NFC. Drew Brees doing his best Tom Brady impression up and over on fourth down for the quarterback sneak. It's a touchdown, and then Mark Ingram will seal it. A 17-yard touchdown run. Saints take it 28-14, and they clinch the uh, NFC South as New Orleans improves to 11-2. Chiefs and Ravens. KC leads atop the AFC at 10-2, battling Houston and New England for the top seed. Baltimore 7-5, still in the wildcard chase. KC was down to their final play, fourth down and down seven, but Patrick Mahomes showing some MVP guts and skills somehow. Finds Tyreek Hill, Hill, who stretches it out to a 48-yard play. And then on fourth down again, Mahomes to Damian Williams to send the game to overtime. The kid is clutch. And in OT, the Chiefs with their possession, Harrison Butler from 35 yards out, just sneaks it in for the field goal. The Ravens did not score in their possession, and the KC Chiefs win it. 
They go to 11-2, clinch a playoff spot in the AFC. Patriots and Dolphins from Miami. Things were true to form most of the day. Tom Brady to Rob Gronkowski for the touchdown. We see that all the time. Brady to Gronk. Tight game, though. New England led 33-28 late fourth. Now Miami, one last chance. Ryan Tannehill completes the pass, and now the Dolphins improvise. Usually this works for one or two laterals, and it did, and then it breaks apart. But Kenyon Drake with a fake that changed everything. Gronkowski was in on defense to knock down a Hail Mary. He can't run, and Drake walks around Gronk for the game-winning TD. It's a Miami miracle. Dolphins still alive for the playoffs, 34-33 the final. What a finish. Now, another fantastic finish last night, the teddy bear toss night at the Coliseum for the Giants. You know how it works. When the Giants get their first goal, you toss the Bears. But they had not scored a goal until a minute and a half to go in the game. Bowen Byram with it. And now, watch the fur fly. Two and a half hours of pent-up energy and anxiety. Would they get to throw the Bears? They did. Took 20 minutes to gather them all up. They're going to charity. 14,000 bears. And then in OT, Jared Dimitru begs the winner on the breakaway. So what a night for those fans from not knowing if they'd even be able to toss those bears to an overtime win. And the Giants have now won six in a row and are first place. And a good time was had by all. Yeah, nice to see hockey again at the Coliseum. Yeah, they had a couple of special nights uh, this December just to get the big crowds in. I think it was pretty successful. Here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 60 centimeters, Grouse 16, Cypress 10, Sasquatch opening to be determined. Revelstoke with a base of 105, Fernie 84 centimeters, Manning Park opening to be determined, Whitewater with a base of 106. Big White with a base of 89, Silver Star 102, Sun Peaks 87 centimeters. Kicking Horse with a base of 72, Mount Washington opening to be determined, Powder King with a base of 100. Well, over the years, we've heard some amazing renditions of national anthems. Most, of course, have been by accomplished singers, Lady Gaga, Whitney Houston, just to name a few. But last night, you could add one more to the list. Seven-year-old Malia Emma bringing down the house of the MLS Cup in Atlanta. She's fantastic. The girl uh, won a contest to sing at an L.A. Galaxy game back in September. The MLS liked that performance so much they asked her to sing at the final. She says her goal is to sing <laughs> at the Super Bowl one day. Quite a performer. Yeah. Wow. I could see her at the Super Bowl. They should have her this year. It's a lot of sass for a seven-year-old. Oh, maybe not. We, those of us who had daughters know that that's she's actually so funny holding the microphone. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> Santa made an early appearance on the North Shore today to hang out with some furry friends. Some dogs, like this black lab, could not contain their excitement at the West Vancouver SPCA Pet Photos with Santa event. All well-behaved pets on leash or in carriers were welcome to drop in for a snapshot with the big guy. For a $10 donation, pet owners could capture that perfect moment with St. Nick. All the money raised helps support animals at local SPCA shelters around B.C.
It does go back to help uh, with all the animals that come into our care. Uh, last year we adopted out over 800 animals, so um, with the animals that come in, it just helps to provide us with the medical uh, needs and the caregiving needs that they require. Uh, Great picture. Oh, there he is. You know, so most of them are dogs. You're not going to see many cats there. I don't yeah. think cats said Santa can come to me if he wants. Yes. That's what the cats have said. Yes. Know, on their terms. Yeah. On their terms. <laughs> <laughs> Quick word on the weather? Um, still pretty soggy uh, over the next little while, but uh, the heaviest rain will be this evening and leading in towards our morning hours. A bit of a lull will be for the afternoon tomorrow, and then it picks up once again for a Tuesday. The temperature is milder this week, especially in comparison to what we're seeing last week. Six is a high tomorrow. All right, that is tonight's news hour. Thanks for watching. Hope to see you at 11. Good night.